0: week's episode, we cover the brilliant, bold choices of writers this week. From Mike Mignola's new take on Frankenstein, to Leah Williams and Ed Brisson breaking Marvel barriers. It's all happening now on Cover B.
1: What's up everybody? How's it going? Welcome back. How are you? To Cover
0: B them answer how are you seriously do you do you Good.
1: know what? May i'm odora
0: <laughs> if you're hearing voices we need to talk about it oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no so admittedly group i have been fighting the giggles yeah we. To- <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't start like recording because i couldn't stop giggling to sit down
1: and record because she just got caught in a giggle loop just oh keep my god. Laughing and then laughing about how she's laughing and then laughing about how she's still laughing and then <sighs> laughing about how weird it was that she was laughing. I'm mm-hmm.
0: still crying yeah. trying to fight the laughing. Yeah. It's it's a thing.
1: Well, you know what? Let's talk about one of the most classic <laughs> comedic characters ever invented. T Tell us about Frankenstein Undone. <laughs> Whoa,
0: that'll bring <laughs> down the mood. There we go. Um, yeah. So, uh, the new Mike Mignola, uh, art by Ben Stenbeck. Um, it's Frankenstein Undone. It it does two things really really cool. I really enjoyed this book, and it does two things really cool. One, it takes up after f- the monster has taken out his master. Um. Mm-hmm. And done all the bad stuff. If you don't know, like, the traditional story of the Frankenstein monster, the monster is not Frankenstein.
1: True. The doctor
0: is Frankenstein.
1: Dr. Frankenstein. <clears throat> Frankenstein's monster. Right. And... But really, in the end, the monster was man.
0: It's true. Though, the monster also did, like, actively seek out to kill anyone and anything that meant anything to its Creator. That is true. But so like then he... also
1: gave its notes and the journal of Dr. Frankenstein to Mary Shelley, so that was nice.
0: That was nice.
1: Was good on him. Yeah,
0: it was it was a good way to do things.
1: So that she could transcribe his notes and Percy Shelley could tell her she doesn't know how to write and edit it for her.
0: Percy Shelley
1: is a dick. It was a different time.
0: <laughs> he's the worst. She's married to him. Obviously more talented than he is, and he's and like, he's oh, like
1: here, let's change this.
0: His middle name is Bish, but it should be Bitch. Um, so sorry, little lit humor there. Um, but the Frankenstein Undone does two things really cool. The first thing it does is that it takes up after. Dr. Frankenstein has already passed away. And so the monster is effectively like, snap, dude, I need to not be around humanity. So I'm going to go to the great tundra and just like let myself die. Because really, I'm so ashamed of everything I've done in my life trying to torture the doctor Mm -hmm. that clearly I'm not going to have any resolve except in death. And
1: reasonable, yep he I feel that way when I leave the doctors, right, well. <laughs> yeah,
0: so he goes and by to doctors, the tundra I mean web MD. thing is it then takes this turn into the cute where he imprints on a polar bear family and just travels around with this mama polar bear and her two bear cubbies, just tra lying in the tundra and it's great and everything's well, wonderful That
1: sounds kind of nice
0: and then <laughs> one of the baby bears oh yeah that's less nice it's awful it's so upsetting it's so terrible things happen stuff goes down the other thing that this story does really cool is that he's talking to another character in the book and the guy's like so what's your name and he's like i don't have a name it's like no you gotta have a name he's like i wasn't given a name and the guy says oh well typically people of your kind take their father's name uh, okay so he becomes frankenstein. frankenstein which is brilliant because it's always been an issue yeah. like how do you had you know how do you separate frankenstein and frankenstein's monster when frankenstein's monster doesn't really have a name Now it does. It's just Frankenstein. And that kind of does that full loop. And I just thought that was so clever. Like, that's just such a good way to handle that.
1: That is, yeah. yeah.
0: Like, so subtle, so little, so not important, but, like, such a big deal. So I just, I really...
1: It kind of really plays into the tragic figure (laughs) of the monster. Yeah! He's, like, still cursed with his name. Yes!
0: Exactly! It was just so, it was just really literarily good. (laughs) And I was really impressed by it. Um... I'm really excited to see where it goes it's gonna have Frankenstein in in it kind of introduced some supernaturally stuff um beyond the sci-fi but like supernaturally stuff in a very like natural way um not like ghosts and stuff but like like mysticism almost but that still fits within the like established logic of a Frankenstein tale hmm. it was just cool and and it's gonna be in a new culture and it, it, it's just neat I, I'm really looking forward to
1: it cool yeah that sounds fantastic
0: yeah i was really here for i I went in kind of low expectations because i'm like oh frankenstein what are you gonna do frank but it's it's not the traditional frankenstein tale but it still fits so well it has the same perfect tone so mm-hmm. props to you manola you nice. know what's up
1: yeah uh i want to talk about protector oh uh, yeah which came out from image i believe image it's an image book <laughs> i think so um Written by Simon Roy and Daniel M. Benson with art by Artium Which Artium is
0: the best name ever.
1: Yeah, by the way, if Artium Trakinov is not also secretly a Bond villain, there's no justice in the world. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> like, you thought I was just a comic writer, <laughs> Mister <laughs> comic artist Mr. Bond.
0: He's going to be the next villain in the next round of cover by Bendis. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And, um, But this was really cool. Uh, it was kind of a slower first issue than I thought it was going to be. Did a lot of world building and, like, a lot of setup. Um, The world it built is really intriguing. It's set in this, I want to say post-apocalyptic, but it's not really post-apocalyptic. Like, when you say... Yeah. That's a tough word that I feel like that genre in general needs to start being redefined. Um, Because Agreed. there's a lot of different... We've seen a lot of different, like apocalypse and post-apocalyptic therein worlds and some of those like this one are (laughs) something cataclysmic obviously happened and wiped out what we know of society but as far as humans are considered or are concerned there still seems to be quite a bunch of us yeah, and there still seems to be some sort of society going on in this particular case it's kind of like a tribal society right um and it's otherwise still, you know, just business as usual. So I don't know if post-apocalyptic really fits. Um, maybe, like, some sort of desolate future story. Um,
0: post-societal? Post-societal
1: like, collapse kind of thing. We need to start redefining what post-apocalyptic means. Because for me, post-apocalyptic means, like, humanity is effectively wiped out and, like, the last remnants are just, like trying to get by trying to survive You know what i mean yeah like the road in my opinion is a post-apocalyptic story because there doesn't really seem to be much hope that the world's gonna bounce back the walking dead you know? the walking dead even as it progressed might be a little bit less of a post-apocalyptic story because oh. there's like societies and like governments oh and, like, fair large groups of people um i mean hell in the final issue of the walking dead we flash forward to the future f- to see car spoilers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> to see coral as a coral Coral as an adult. And there's like a full on, it's just like the wild west. It's like a full on town. People riding on horses, like huh. carriages. They're like, ma'am. <laughs> Meister. Meister. Stuff. Yeah. And that's effectively what it is. So it's the, it's as post-apocalyptic as the frontier would have been, you know huh. I mean? So it's almost like I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna workshop some new titles for something that effectively just creates it rewrites the world to be a new frontier. Yeah. Is what the story is. Anyway, that's where we're at here. And I like the kind of subtleties of um the setting it in North America. So it's set in North America, and they have like you know, areas and regions like Chicago, which is like S-H-I-C-K-A dash G-O.
0: It took me so but, long to recognize what the nomenclature yeah. was doing. I got like over halfway so through the book yeah, and so I was like, oh, Chicago. I'm so stupid. <laughs> um,
1: they reference like the Hudson Valley and the Hudson River and like stuff like that. Um, so they still have all these like regional kind of things and I think that would be really cool to play with and see like as society collapsed they would like people who retained language would latch on to like signage and you know whatever buildings and stuff they could still find and be like oh this is Chicago you know what I mean and then develop from there Um, but I, I really like the world that it's starting to establish like I said obviously something happened and just wiped society we're now back to you know tribalistic ways, very simplistic. You know, there's not really technology. Lots
0: of deity worshiping.
1: And then, yeah, there's this deity worshiping, which is consistent of like two, two elements. Um, I forget what they call. I forget what they call the like godlike ones, but there's these like godlike ones that literally like, we see one like go to an oracle. So this lady. Gets, like, lifted into the air, and this godlike creature starts talking through her. But it's, like, a mechanical thing. So it's, like, beaming a light yeah. at her. She's floating. She's talking through it. And then when it's done, it drops her, and we literally watch it, like, fly out of orbit. The divas. Divas, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a droid or something. Yeah, it's, like, some sort of robot or alien. And then the who appears to be the central protagonist who we still don't really know much about because like I said a lot of the first issue was world building um she's a slave running away stumbles into these ruins of some sort of like craft or like you know armored personnel carrier or something and there's all these like robots in there she bleeds on one which i guess causes this this robot to imprint on her and activate and they refer to that robot as a demon and it's considered like unstoppable and it's supposedly going to wipe out the entire area of Chicago. and it's we haven't seen really what it can do yet it killed a dude off screen and then like emerged with this chick um but it's this cool like kind of towering battle droid of some kind yeah it was really but like Did the droids belong to the humans and the world got wiped out by aliens? Was there some sort of, like, AI versus, Uprising? Yeah. yeah. Because there's, like, different forms of AI. There's, like, fully sentient AIs versus, like, you know, equivalent of an AI for, like, a Google Home or something. Right. You know, so, like, like a a Siri-type AI. So, like, is there, you know, that kind of thing going on as well? So, it's, like, you know the reason they consider those demons is because they're, like, subservient, human-controlled AIs. Loyal, loyal. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. There's humanity, a lot of, like, yeah. weird technological stuff happening on the like, against this backdrop of, like, a semi-feudal Desolate. Like, very like, you know, medieval feeling type tribalism happening in America. Right. And then, not to mention the fact that, obviously, something bad really went down, um, Hey, probably global warming the way we were going. Because the area of Chicago is... A desert. A desert. And last time I was in Chicago, I don't remember there being a lot of sand. <laughs> so, it's true. Um, Not I many dunes. This one's really cool. It's really worth picking up. Um, I'm kind of hoping this one's going to f- fill the void in my life left by Little Bird. Because mm, yeah. I loved Little Bird. Little Bird was so And good. this one has very similar art. Um, and kind of a, you know, similar feel to it where it's, like, we're in the future, there's different shit going on, weird, like, religious beliefs and stuff like that. So, yeah. it's not shaping up to be as gory as Little Bird, Little but... Little
0: Bird was so good! Uh, Or it, quite as commentary-heavy.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite as, like, politically charged as Little Bird, but, uh, it seems like it's gonna be a weird and pretty cool ride, so I'm hoping that one keeps being good but it, the Same. issue one's definitely worth picking up absolutely
0: so. so next on my docket um was not a book i was planning I'm to very pick up.
1: curious to hear you talk about this because i really thought this was just going to be some random marvel throwaway book <laughs>
0: i love it so oh this week amazing spider-man daily bugle number one um my favorite spider-man books are ones that have very little to do with (laughs) Mm spider-man um first off i love you spidey but you are overplayed to heck and back yeah homie you got too many damn books (laughs) there's too much so this one i was like uh what like is peter going back to the bugle do i care what's happening but it's actually about the bugle and the people of the bugle and spidey is like there but it's not really spidey it's very peter and it's it's really interesting because it basically talks about like different stories the bugle would pick up from the perspective of the writers and journalists and photographers and investigators at the bugle and what was cool is that I hate to say it, but a lot of the time, New York is represented in a very different, non-realistic way in a lot of Marvel books because New York is saturated with heroes. Like, the Kingpin is the mayor, and there's the lower-level heroes because you got the Daredevil and then Mm -hmm. all of the Hell's Kitchen people, but then you've also got, like, Cloak and Dagger, which are, like really impressive heroes and and Spidey and there's all these crazy villains and there's always stuff happening and damage to buildings and it's just just excessive but this was like oh hey did you remember it's still New York and there's still like millions of normal people just chilling living and working jobs and existing (laughs) Yeah, and they still behave in the same way as the rest of the current world outside of this comic book So it opens with the head editor kind of like stomping around the Daily Bugle office and they talk about how the Daily Bugle has changed over the time because just like any newspaper, once digital hit and the death of print, you know, Mm -hmm. it's less about really great stories and more about clickbait and less about, you know, thorough breaking news and more about how many page views can you get. Yeah. And... It lists. Yeah. Listicles. Listicles are everything. And so it kind of talks about that. And there's a meeting with Robertson and his primary, you know, core staff group. And he's like, "Okay, I'm done with this stuff. I'm done trying to do things this way. We're going to go back to the way we used to be. We're going to focus on investigation. We're going to focus on breaking stories that matter, that people care about. Mm -hmm. Kingpin might be mayor, but he doesn't run us. And so it's, you know, a bunch of journalists going out and doing stories. And he's like, hey, Peter. And Peter's like, awesome. I need money because I'm broke. I'm going to help. And they're like, cool. And he's like, cool. I'm going to do science stories. And he's like, no, you're going to go take pictures. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like oh of spider-man and he was like no no
1: not not at all
0: go take pictures of these fish dying in a river
1: <laughs> peter
0: <laughs> and so the involvement of spider-man in this book is hilarious because it's peter whining to himself the whole time he shows up like it's broken down into multiple different stories uh-huh. like it, it follows different perspectives along the, the path. Yeah. But Spider-Man's sections are like really short and it's all him talking to himself, complaining about how he's now having to do photos of stupid stuff that has nothing to do with his expertise. And he's all whiny about it. And then he's like, oh, there's fish dying in this river. This doesn't seem great. And so you know who he calls in? Who? Koi Boy. Koi Boy. <laughs> He's no, like, he does not. He does. He brings in Koi Boy from Squirrel Girl. And they even make the comment, Koi Boy's like, how did you get my number? And he's like, well, I called Squirrel Girl. And she recommended you. <laughs> and he's like, now, can you please jump into this water and talk to some fish? Maybe find a mutant fish that's not dead. And Koi Boy's like, you want me to jump into poisoned water?
1: <laughs> and that's the story of how Spider-Man killed Koi Boy.
0: Koi Boy refuses. And then a mutant fish jumps out. Koi Boy talks to it and is like, oh, yeah, there's like a barrel of toxic waste. See ya. And that's how Spider-Man section ends. It's the funniest thing. Nice. It's so like I am so appreciating the current Marvel like writer mindset that Spider-Man needs to stop being taken so seriously and needs to just be like this fluffy accessory to the actual outfit of a comic book
1: yeah they've gone back to <laughs> making spider-man fun um, yeah he's
0: such a goob because i feel it's like there great. was there was a
1: short period not too long ago like for a few years that was really just heavily focused on like making spider-man really serious and it was it was dan Slott. who are we kidding it was dan slot um it was it, it was all his fault and i feel like the newer teams are more focused on really just weirding him up.
0: Yeah. You know oh, yeah. I
1: mean? He's super and... weird
0: and and silly now. Like, he's just funny, and it's great. Yeah. And this book was so good because it just felt really realistic. Like, you don't always see people in the Marvel Universe speak the way we speak out here because it's not just normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, heroes speak in a specific way and have to talk about certain stuff because there's villains that they're fighting. But like, literally, there were people in the office watching Robertson stomp around the office, and they were like, "I hate it when Daddy gets mad." And I'm like, "That's the type of shit that my friends would say when, and my coworkers would say when our boss gets mad." Like, mm-hmm. the, it just it felt very real. It was one of the first recent times I've been like, "Man, I am super immersed," and this could be like a reality show. Yeah, like I love that. That's I just cool. really appreciate that. So the stories are cool. I'm digging the characters. It's looking fun. Um, I'm definitely going to keep picking it up. Is
1: it done in like vignettes or is it just like it's, an interconnected story, but you just focus on different characters as they're doing? Yeah. It's like that.
0: Stuff. It's like how when you're watching a TV show and it like switches scenes to different people involved in, mm-hmm. in the thing, like they're all hunting different stories, but it kind of goes back and forth between different people.
1: Gotcha. So okay. it's cool.
0: It's I really enjoyed it. So that's dope.
1: Um, this week saw the continuation of the Old Man Logan, Dead Man Logan story um, yes. with Avengers of the Wasteland number one. Um, so for those who don't know the overall saga of Old Man Logan, he, there was like a random bit um, by Mark Millar in the Wolverine books in the mid 2000s, I think it was where we flash forward way into the future and we found old man Logan and he was a pacifist living on a farm with his wife and kids just trying to like live his life find out through you know that story's process that he that the world had been taken over by villains one day all the villains unified and killed off all the heroes effectively with a few stragglers being the You know, the exceptions. Hawkeye being one of those, because they didn't take him seriously. So they were like, we don't need to kill Hawkeye. (laughs) Screw Uh that guy. Whoops. Which is pretty much in brand for Hawkeye. (laughs) Um, For Wolverine, Mysterio and a few other villains invaded the X-Mansion. Convinced Wolverine. Wolverine's like, oh, crap. Villains are attacking. Goes around just murdering. Just absolutely murking all these villains mysterio then pulls back the veil and he's like guess what you just killed the x-men bye (gasps) and leaves so that's why he's like i haven't popped my claws since that night he gets wrapped up in some adventure with hawkeye eventually goes off and like fights a bunch of these villains red skulls involved and then eventually his region is controlled by bruce banner's hulk family which is made up of a bunch of like inbred Hulk rednecks. Oh geez. Because um, I think in canon Hulk bred with.
0: Oh no! Don't say it.
1: Yeah, with a. Uh, oh no. His cuz. Oh and, um, no! Because he was like full Hulk at this point, and she was the only one that could take it. And oh no. Yep. So there's a bunch of like gamma irradiated green rednecks running around, and oh. that eventually becomes a thing. Um as old man logan defeats bruce banner he finds a little baby hulk chilling in a crib and takes that hulk with him oh um flash forward to secret wars when all the multiverses get we find Smooshed. out that the wasteland is actually its own multiverse and Old Man Logan's trying to figure out why I think the Marvel zombies breach into the wasteland. Oh. And he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Eventually, in trying to figure stuff out, he ends up getting sucked into the main universe once Secret Wars is over. Oh. So he's now, Old Man Logan is now just like, bloop, here. Wolverine's already dead at this point. Regular regular man Logan is (laughs) already dead. (laughs) So that was the period where we had three Wolverines running around as Marvel you know live market tested which one would be the best wolverine (laughs) um so we had old man logan chilling out in the main universe we had x-23 who is now wolverine and we had young jimmy hudson who failed the market testing and got killed off in like three issues of x-men blue (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) yay ouch yeah it was rough um he was just like bloop gone uh and Or they sent him back to his universe or something. I don't remember. But um, anyway, eventually, old man Logan's like, look, I'm dying. Like, I'm poisoned by adamantium. He's been taking this, like, serum that, like, buffs up his healing thing because his healing factor has been dying. And that's slowly killing him. And he's like, look, I'm dying. I'm going to do one last thing in this world and then i'm going to go back to my world and die and they were like cool what's that one last thing And it was like i'm going to freaking kill mysterio and so he sets out to do that stuff happens i won't ruin the series of dead man logan for you um then he goes back home you should really read dead man logan it was written by the same person who wrote avengers of the wasteland ed brisson it's very good brisson is kind of like Hiding in the background of Marvel, (laughs) doing really effed up stuff with their characters, and then like, and like running away to another series. And, um, that's great. Like, anything I see Ed Brisson on, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna mess some stuff up. Um, because he recently did a handful of things that all had like really epic consequences for
0: characters and stuff
1: characters yeah he um because i'm pretty sure like i said he did the dead man logan thing which was like really intense and just made a lot of lot of decisions for characters that uh you know marvel may or may not have been like oh god what have we done um he also did he did the contagion series which didn't end up doing a whole lot in the long run but was effectively like hey this person's infected with stuff yay (laughs) um and then he was recently doing he did the x-force run before uh the whole age of or before the whole like x-men relaunch and he did the uncanny x-men run right before the age of x-men which was effectively just ed brisson kills off a bunch of people because he knows marvel's gonna relaunch (laughs) Uh, so yeah he's doing new mutants yeah he's doing currently he's doing portions of the new mutant story um as well as this one and he's doing ghost rider right now which is also doing some so like you know he's not he might not be on spider-man you know he might not be on your deadpools he might not be on your Captain America's or your Black Panthers or your Captain Marvel's. But what Ed Brisson is doing is picking up these, like, other people and being like, I don't know, he's dead. And now she has power <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like stuff like that. You know what I mean? And you're
0: like, wait a minute.
1: And it's like, wait, can you just on. do that? Yeah. And then, like, Marvel's like, OK, Jonathan Hickman, good talk. Uh, we like where you're going with this. We're going to go check in on Ed. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ed's got like his action figures out. Jonathan Hickman's putting all his action figures back in his toy box and Ed's got his action figures out and he, he's he got like a Wolverine body with like a Magneto head and he's got like a Cyclops body that he's like grafted I don't know like a MODOK helmet onto <laughs> and he's just like what, what guys? <laughs> Super glues everywhere he got jelly on the barbie playhouse he's like what what's the problem um this is how i play (laughs) and marvel's just like well i guess that's what these toys look like now anyway so wolverine goes back to the wasteland and uh stuff happens again i'm not gonna ruin the overall story but in the end of dead man logan and if this is a spoiler what's wrong with you logan dies he's a (laughs) dead man it was not false advertisement logan dies at the end um what does happen what we do get out of that story is that we get a new thor um, uh for sake of whatever giving you a few extra surprises i won't tell you who the new thor is um we have little baby hulk is all grown up at this point um so the baby hulk that he saved from bruce is now like a teen-ish age and is like super smart and reads books all the time and but like is also still kind of hulky and like doesn't like loud noises and stuff and then there's also i believe he's related to Turk had like this kid related to Turk named Dwight found like the ant-man helmet and fixed it and is now like the new ant-man and stuff nice so we have an avengers Yay! Um, and that's where this picks up. This is effectively the next stage of the Wasteland multiverse. Um, and it is really cool. I liked it. I like it. It's got Doom playing a big factor, which he's a big part of the Wasteland. He was one of the main villains that organized everybody and took one of the bigger portions of the United States once the villains like divvied up the world. Seems about right. Um And otherwise, through most of the Wasteland stuff, he's kind of just been in the side. You know what I mean? Been on the side of things. Hasn't really been, like, reacting to stuff. Um, In the original Dead Man or Old Man Logan run, Logan and Hawkeye, like, pass through Doom's area of the world. Yeah. But Doom doesn't really do much. They just kind of pass through, and then they're like, whoop, we're done. Um, So I'm interested to see what his game is you know
0: yeah so yeah it it looks really cool i i enjoyed it i haven't read any of the old man or dead man logan series um but i picked this one up because it being kind of newer characters it kind of feels like a fresh start so if you haven't read the older stuff i don't think you're going to be super lost mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of self-explanatory in the way the world runs and the way they talk to each other so the, it, it's not
1: that's the nice thing about them approach. making doom the antagonist is that like there's not a lot of like background info you need you don't need a ton of setup that doom is being a tyrant and is like attacking and conquering and killing people
0: no duh you know it's like
1: (laughs) yeah okay that's doom sounds right um yeah but yeah it's really cool it's you know the wasteland i think still has so many stories to tell it's one of the more intricate like writers can really do what they want with who they want right kind of areas of the marvel universe um and Ed Brisson's a great character I have in there because he's now has this playpen where there's a few things that have been established. Like there's an area of the country that's like covered in Venoms uh. and including like a T-Rex that has the Venom symbiote oh, and stuff geez. like that. And then there's like various other like, you know, things that have already been established from the previous things that have done that. But there's plenty of characters that haven't popped up. There's plenty of characters that we don't know what happened to them. Um, or, like, what their legacy is. And so there's a lot that could happen. And the end of this book is such a, like, cool cliffhanger that I'm really excited to see what the heck. Yeah, you agreed. Know. So um, I think it's going to be a good book because of who's writing it and because of the world that it's set in. I think it has a lot of potential to introduce some new concepts um, and really just tell, like, a cool Avengers story of these young Avengers trying to, like, you know, reestablish the Avenger legacy, you know?
0: It's really cool. I'm excited. So then the last one that I want to talk about this week, um, we've talked about in the past couple episodes about Marvel putting out these one-shots for the end where they pick a character and effectively talk about how they die. Mm -hmm. Um, This week there were three of them which is several. Mm. Um, We're going to probably have two of them talked about in a, um, one of our additional blog posts. Um, so, but this week, the only one that I really, really wanted to talk about on, on the podcast was the one for Dr. Strange, um, written by Leah Williams, art by Felipe Andrade. I probably just butchered that. Sorry. Sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with it. Um, this book was so good.
1: It was super good. So cool! Such a
0: cool way to depict him. Cool
1: little snippet. This is the same team. I thought this after I read it, and I actually mentioned it to you, and then I went and looked it up. This is the same team that a few years ago, Marvel put out a bunch of one-shots about X-Men. Okay. Um, They were what-if one-shots. What-ifs, for those who don't know, are Marvel doing, like, taking a part of X-Men or part of Marvel history and saying, what if it? was different okay um so like there's really popular ones include like what if uh spider-man married black cat what if uh the venom symbiote like fully possessed spider-man uh what if wolverine had joined alpha flight what if uh punisher had killed spider-man like big moments in wasn't
0: there like a what if gwen was spider-man and that's how we got
1: i don't know i don't think so i thought i'd read there that, was but a there was a what if uh jane foster was thor <laughs> And then there was boom thor. um and there's various others and there's even like goofy ones like what if um there was a what if for what if aunt may was a herald of galactus she became the golden oldie
0: that's amazing.
1: Um. Anyway, so they're just like retellings of like Marvel history or just like completely bizarre things that let writers do like crazy stuff. One of the X-Men ones they did a while back was what if magic was the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, and it had it featured, you know, pretty much the history of magic. But magic was a little bit more. Leah Williams wrote her as more of a like kind of snarky rebellious rambunctious kind of teen character right um a little bit more edgy a little bit more like in your face um she still like you know gets kidnapped and unfortunately treated by belasco from limbo um doctor strange rescues her and she eventually goes on to become the sorcerer supreme this is the same team that did that so we have effectively the same magic we have the same kind of relationship between her and Doctor Strange in the same kind of, like, general feel for both of those characters in this. And I think that's what makes this such a cool story.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed this because it's the first time I've ever really seen Strange done in this way. Um, To me, in the comics, Strange is always kind of... A little bit boring, to Mm -hmm. be quite honest. He's a very serious character. He's a very arrogant character, so he's got a little bit of the Tonys. He, I don't know, like, his villains are never that exciting for me. Mm. His team-ups are always kind of whatever. Like, I really appreciate it. I don't remember what book it is, but... A while back, there was a team up between him and Black Widow. And that was great because Black Widow just kept giving him a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And he was not a fan. It was when they switched bodies. Or like, yeah, I think they switched bodies and he couldn't use magic and she had to use magic and she was doing a horrible job. I don't remember what book this was, huh. but it was great. Yeah, I'll look it up, and I'll I'll, I'll shout it out in, in the blog post. Um, It was good, though. But most of the time, Strange is kind of meh. But in this, they made him like he's old and crotchety and grumpy and like
1: really unhinged,
0: super out in left field and, you know, talking to spirits the whole time, but it's drawn as he's talking to himself. And it's just so entertaining to watch him. It felt kind of like the relationship, him and the relationship to the spirit box he's walking around with felt like the relationship of Batman and Joker in yeah, last night, on yeah earth.
1: And last night on earth
0: yeah it felt like that same thing and it had kind of that same kind of like feel to it and i don't know it was just so good it's so weird and random and kind of inconsequential compared to a lot of the other the end stories i've read thus far
1: true yeah like
0: most of the time it's like it's the end of everything yeah, it's the
1: end of the world
0: but this one was just sort of like i mean you know magic's going down and that's unfortunate but like ultimately there's so little it goes out with a whisper not like a whimper not a bang and it it's just cool it's just a really cool depiction of of his end yeah i don't know i i I really
1: like the characterizations um in this one like i i just really like how Doctor Strange is done. I really like how Magic's done. Agreed. And I remember really liking that. It's been forever since I've read that What If? But I remember really liking that one, too, and wanting, like, having hope that it would continue. Um, And here we are. It kind of has. And yeah. now I leave this one feeling the same way, because Magic comes in at the end, like, being like, hey, I'm taking over now, you know? I'm, the last like mystical person on earth i'm gonna take over as sorcerer supreme and now i want to see that i want to yeah, see that same. continue you know what i mean Agreed. i want to see uh like kind of smarmy faith from bus buffy-esque magic oh. who is the sorcerer supreme in a cyberpunk world that doesn't give a crap about magic being haunted by erratic like Curmudgeony, curmudgeon, old man from up, Doctor Strange, <laughs> and trying to like bring magic back into the world. That sounds awesome. That does so. Leah Williams, do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to her because I feel like there's a lot of writers, and this isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I feel like a lot of writers have a very specific voice mm-hmm. that is very consistent on almost everything that they write. Mm-hmm. Like Bendis has a voice. And like Kelly Thompson has a voice. And that's, like I said, not a bad thing, but it's just very consistent. Leah Williams, everything she writes is different. Nothing ever seems the same. I had no idea that's who this was. I got like halfway through this book and I was like, who's writing this book? It's great. And then I looked at the author and I was like, I never would have guessed that. That, I never would have guessed that. (laughs) That's left field for me. She writes, she just writes whatever she wants. And the way she writes it, she writes it however she wants. And it's just so cool. Shout out to her and her ability to just make very different voices.
1: Mm-hmm. That's well, cool. Well, and she, in my opinion, she's another one of those writers that is kind of like just chilling on the fringes, but doing like really incredible things with like really like ballsy things with the characters she's given. Yeah. Like uh, Gwimple Strikes Back she recently got done doing was amazing and in my opinion revitalized this character that otherwise had just become kind of gimmicky and never really became not gimmicky like right it started as a gimmick literally and then like a few writers came in and tried to like morph it into something and then there was this like f- what was it like a five issue mini that turned her into this like absolute lampoon of marvel in general and just like put every corner of marvel on blast constantly as a business marvel's business side was on blast in this comic there were moments where Gwynpool would literally talk about marvel's shady business practices and their idea of quantity over quality and their sales and like canceling characters even though they have a huge fan base because they're not selling as well in paper so they have to only go to trade and like all this stuff oh my god like rotating writers and like how they, like, in a short time of her character being there, she's been, like, five different iterations of this character because Marvel editorial demands that she be more more relevant and stuff.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It was amazing. And then, you know, she also did, during the Age of X-Men stuff, she did The Extremists, which saw Psylocke and Blob falling in love, which was my favorite thing (laughs) ever. And, like, she just, she's one of those people that, like, is not afraid to do really bold things with characters yeah. and kind of just leave it for like somebody else to, somebody work else with. to figure out. So yep. like, you know, Gwenpool strikes back ends with Gwenpool being invited to Krakoa because Ms. Marvel sits down with her and figures out that the only way she can do what she can do has to be because she's a mutant. So because her powers consist of her, like being able to shift reality to whatever she deems, and the characters in the comics don't understand that she's doing that by literally like moving in and out of comics she uh the reality changes and she's now a mutant oh my and god and she's like on Krakoa.
0: that's so cool yeah,
1: being a mutant man but the Hi, real Williams. reason she can the real reason she can do what she can do is because she's a visitor from a different plane Dimensions. of existence ours you know potentially they, I think they've kind of, like, fudged that it might be a different one where the Marvel Universe is comics. Um, but, like, it's she's us, effectively. And that's exactly what, like, I wanted out of that character is for her to be, like, you know, this really extremely potentially powerful and detrimental character. Yeah. You know? And there was, like, one story recently that kind of hit on that where she was, like effectively going to reveal people's identities because she knows everybody's identities because she reads comics (laughs) you know she's a marvel fan she knows miles morales is spider-man she knows peter parker is spider-man she knows this person is this she knows this person isn't dead right now and they could have done something really cool with her where they made her like way in the future reader and be like oh shit like have a big event happen and have gwenpool just be like oh no and everyone's like what oh no what and she's like this next event is about to happen. Huh. You know? Yeah. And, like, she knows what's going to happen, and everyone's like, you, like, and it would be similar to what happened in Civil War 2, where it was like, this guy knows the future. Right. But, like, she literally knows. And knows exactly
0: how everything is. out.
1: And you could have that be a central point where she, like, preps everybody for it, but then something worse or different happens because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, Leah Williams... Like Ed Brisson, like I mentioned earlier, just does bold things with characters. She
0: got some, she got some cojones.
1: And there are other writers at Marvel, a la Donnie Cates, who do really bold things, but they're kind of done boldly in a safe way. Yeah. Or like safely in a bold way, however you want to phrase it.
0: Like there it's are like, limitations to the bold.
1: Well, they're almost too grandiose. They're not like precise enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like developing Psylocke and Blob's relationship during the age of X-Men, everyone knew it was going to get erased. But now that's on the table, that those two characters, who knows, might have something going on. Right. And, like, there might be a possibility to work that in at some point. And that little nugget is in people's minds. Right. You know? And, you know, Ed Brisson, like putting the x-men through hell in uncanny x-men you know that got erased but like that leaves us going into jonathan hickman like the people that have been reading x-men go into jonathan hickman's run being like what the frick you know, yeah. know what i mean like right when is this gonna come up like these people were dead like right rain got beat to death just in the street because she wouldn't fight back by just normal humans you can't just be like, well, I'm on Paradise now. That's fine. You know? So there's, like, all these nuggets that are there. And yeah. they're not gone. They're still there, even if there was a reboot. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I just think it's cool. And I, I like what she did in this. Because, like I said, now I'm left being like, I want more. I want more magic as, you know, Source of totally. Supreme. So she created this whole new, like, possible line of stories just by telling a fun story about curmudgeon Doctor Strange. So cool. Ending his life. <laughs> you know?
0: Just so cool. I dug it. I dug it a lot. Yeah. I think that is a wrap for yeah. us. I think
1: I've rambled enough today. <laughs> so.
0: You rambled in the best of ways.
1: Yeah. It's an educational ramble.
0: It's why people come. They come here for the rambling. It's true. You're a rambling man. <laughs> It's true. If you enjoyed his rambling and my rambling and the ongoing rambling of Cover B, you can find <laughs> more of it on our website. It's true. www.coverbepodcast.com. Www. We've got all of our past episodes in our blog. We even have them labeled out by topic and the, you know, publishers we talk about and the characters we talk about. So definitely check that out. Um, we also will probably in the next couple weeks have a new um, episode of featuring some games in our Powered Gaming series. I'm not going to spoil what yet, but that's going to be cool. It'll be cool. Yeah. Um, you can get merch on our website, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check that out. If you want even more Cover Me podcasts, you can go onto our social media, Facebook and Twitter at Cover Me podcast. We post the new episodes. We post news. I finally have been able to post something other than Baby Yoda beans. Finally. 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 It took months. took a long time, yeah. But we're finally through it, I think. They still happen occasionally. Whatever, it's fine. Um, Am I missing anything? No. No, Sweet. Well, then come and find us and stalk us and share with us and comment at us and harass us and ramble at us. Because we ramble at you.
1: Yep. (laughs) Return the rambles. Return
0: the ramble. So that's going to be it for us. Have an awesome rest of your weekend. And we will see you on the next episode of Cover B.
1: Bye, guys. Bye,
0: everybody.